The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Are you listening? Damn. Into another episode of the damn podcast here on the 24 7 Sports Podcast Network and powered by beaverblitz.com. I'm your host, Carter Baines, joined as always by beaverblitz.com publisher Angie Machado. We're here on Sunday, November 13th, almost exactly 24 hours removed from kickoff of Oregon State's 38 to 10 dominant showing against California at Research Stadium. Angie, in the immediate aftermath of this game where Oregon State bounces back from a loss at Washington, improves to 7-3, and three, secures a winning season for the second straight year, it feels like the Beavers have generated some momentum going into the stretch run. And we're going to break all of it down here on today's episode of the podcast, run through a rankings update, Oregon State fans maybe liking the AP Top 25 this morning. Uh, We'll talk about the impact of the win, the injury tracker, because that is a key point of note from this game after a a very costly win for Oregon State. Uh, Some stats, we'll run through the game flow, hit on what went well for Oregon State, what didn't, and then touch on our keys to the game and how Oregon State accomplished or did not accomplish the things we set out for the Beavers to do. But Angie, as we are here about... I, I mean, exactly a, a day from when this thing kicked off. Uh, what are your thoughts generally on Oregon State bouncing back and getting a big-time win against the Golden Bears? I think it's huge, Carter. I mean, um, you and I both expected wins, but we thought it could be a really close game. We, we've seen Cal play USC really tough. Um, we've seen him play some really close games. Um, I know when we had Jackson Moore on, he talked about the O-line and the struggles there, but they still have a, a really good quarterback who has already picked Oregon State apart. Last year at Purdue, um, three great receivers, a really great running back in Jaden Ott, and the defense completely shut them down. I mean, that might be up there with one of the best defensive performances. It is stat-wise, but one of the better performances we've seen um, from an Oregon State team in the 2000s, um, so the past 22 years. Uh, Just a huge overall win, momentum. I thought offense, we can talk a little bit more about that, but I I really – saw a lot. I mean, I guess I've been banging the drum a lot. So it it was nice to see more fly motion and some slants and and really kind of getting, getting uh, the defense backed up from just stacking the box, trying to stop the run. Yeah, absolutely. Just a a three phased win for Oregon state, getting it done on offense, defense, and of course, special Special teams teams. as well with a punt return touchdown, which we are going to dive into and, and talk about Anthony Gould's contributions in that element of the game, because that has been a, a huge boost for the Beavers this season, uh, as we'll get to. 
If you're watching us live on YouTube, you can see Angie and I are matching today. We've got our gray hoodies on. We're kind of lounging on this Sunday. Yeah. Um, but I've actually, I, if you you might have noticed, my video is a little crisper here, thanks to a, a new Mac update. Um, I'm actually using my phone as my camera here, so it, it took us a few minutes to get this set up. But like, I f I feel like I look brighter, I look crisper. This is this is pretty cool stuff. So we'll definitely be doing this moving forward. Uh, if you're watching us live on YouTube, you can see that. If you are uh, listening anywhere, you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us via the multitude of channels through which you can find the damn podcast. So let's get into it with a look at the rankings because Oregon State did jump back into the AP Top 25 with this win over California, uh, outdoing Texas by four voting points and coming up just shy of Oklahoma State by four so it was close there at the bottom, but Oregon State does sneak back in over the Longhorns to number 25 in the AP poll. Angie, this came as a surprise to me. I, I did not think that regardless of what Oregon State did against Cal, I, I just didn't think that it would be enough to jump the, I, I believe, 12 teams that were ahead of them. Um, but with enough shakeup at the bottom there and enough teams losing, and Oregon State really just dominating this thing. Uh, the voters took note and, and gave Oregon State some respect this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect it either, Carter, to be really honest. But like you said, this wasn't just a eek by the, you know, eek by win. This was a, a very dominant performance. And I think when you look at the three losses, they're all to ranked teams. I mean, and then to lose two of those games by a combined six points to Washington, who just knocked off Oregon and uh, USC. Um, this is a team that's right, I think, on the on the cusp of, being right there. Oregon State's resume all year has been that of a quality loss team where the Beavers still really don't have a quote-unquote quality win to their name. But when you look at the losses, it's to ranked teams, as you mentioned, two of them by a combined six points, one of them on the road at uh, Washington, and of course the other on the road at Utah. So the, the voters respecting that and Oregon state, unfortunately won't have a chance to get one of those quality wins until the final game of the regular season against that Oregon team that just lost to Washington in Eugene. Uh, but the Beavers checking in at, at 25 in the AP poll. Interestingly, Oregon state still has not been ranked in the coaches poll this year. So when the Beavers jumped into the CFP rankings and the AP rankings in, um, well, ahead of, of that uh, that game at Washington, uh, the Beavers were the first team out of the coaches' poll. They are two spots back of number 25 this week, so they're still yet to break into them. And then the college football rankings this week will come out Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. So we'll see. I mean, again, Oregon State could be playing Arizona State without a number next to its name if, if the Beavers don't crack into those rankings again. Off the top of your head, Angie, do you, do you feel like the Beavs have a shot to get into the CFP top 25? I, I'm I'm hesitant. I think this is a case of the AP poll being, um, I don't know, a, a little more finicky than than the committee. Yeah, I, I I mean, there's a shot. It, it'll be it'll be close. Um, they could they could eke in there though at at 25. We will see. Regardless, it's uh, it's it's impressive for Oregon State to get back there after beating a team that has only won three games this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, um, but bouncing back the way they did, I think that was a huge one. And I think, honestly, playing that little bit earlier of a game, you know, a six o'clock start time, and it was only yeah. a three-hour game, so it was over by nine 
midnight back east, but um, so much earlier than what we've seen the rest of the year. I think more voters actually got to see the, the team in action. Outside of what the rankings are showing uh, in, in the immediate aftermath of this, let's, I guess, talk about what this might mean moving forward, because after the Washington game, we said, well, what's Oregon State playing for at this point? Feels like it lost all the momentum. Well, a win like that, it was very clear that the team was not, you know, drowned in its sorrows and uh, focused on losing to, to UW and saying, all right, what do we have left now? The Beavers just came out and, and from the get-go were far and away the better team and, and looked like it all night. Are you impressed with the dominance after losing a disappointing game like that? Or is that kind of what you expected from a team that's that's so veteran-led? No, you know, I, I didn't expect them to be that that solid in all phases. I, I expected them to win. Um, I didn't expect a huge let-off just because we have talked about they are a very veteran team. I like the leadership of this group, but I did not foresee them coming out and just completing, completely smacking Cal in the, in the mouth and, and just dominating. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the news already, Carter, it broke right before we started taping, but Cal has fired offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave and offensive line coach, Angus McClure. Those are two big name college coaches now that just got let go from Cal after that, that tromping. And, you know, I looked back at Cal's schedule and, um, you know, they haven't been tromped all season, really. I mean, to score three points offensively, one they they did score a touchdown, but that was on that scoop and score fumble. Um, Oregon State again, Carter. We can talk about all the the stats, but I'm just still just kind of in kind of an awe. I mean, this is a team that put up 400 you know yards passing against USC, and Oregon State held them to 151, um, nine yards rushing. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a team rush for nine yards? Well, against Oregon State, it was 2007. And in fact, the Beavers held two opponents to to nine yards or fewer in that season. Um, I've got some superlatives okay, loaded cool. up later in the show okay. here. Um, so talking about building momentum for the stretch run here, Oregon State, two regular season games left and then the bowl game. Beavers come into this thing at or the, the ASU game. It's, it's final road trip at seven and three potentially ranked in the top 25. I, I mean, in the, in the AP poll, they are, but um, the, the, the the committee, uh, we'll see if they get in there as well. feels like Oregon State kind of back in the limelight a little bit, um, coming off of a win like that. They've got a chance to, to really build some momentum going into the rivalry game. I mean, that game's looking more and more important since Oregon did lose to Washington. They've got a tough matchup against Utah this week. I mean, Oregon's stretch run is really difficult. I looking at how 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 far Oregon fell in the AP poll, falling to twelve. Oregon State getting back in. I think if Oregon State is dominant at ASU, and Oregon loses to Utah, it you know let's let's say by by a score or two, I could see a world where there's only one or two spots between these two teams going into the final week of the regular season, which makes that that game at Reeser Stadium between the Beavers and the Ducks all the more important. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, so I spent, I actually, it was super fun. I was in Corvallis all weekend. We went down Friday night, um, Eric and I, um, we have two, God, our God kids, um, that, you know, our friends from Oregon State days, their kids are now at Oregon State, a freshman and a senior. And so we were there for family weekend with them. And one of them is dating a, a guy who goes to Oregon. And so John was there and hearing him talk about the, he's, he's so excited to come to Civil War and to hear 
you know, he's jacked because, you know, he's like, Oregon State's secondary is so good against Oregon's, you know, defense and Oregon's Oregon's defense isn't super great. I mean, he's like, it's going to be a great game. It'll be fun to watch, but that civil war game is going to be bananas. Yeah. Oregon's secondary really. I, I think we saw the the deficiency there against Washington. You have to think Oregon state's passing game has been a weakness. Well, maybe it yeah. can find something against that defense. And if, if that's the case, we could be in for an absolute classic at Reeser with, I think Oregon state having a lot of strengths on its side that match up well against Oregon. And, and we'll yeah. see what the Bo Nix situation is like injury wise coming into that game. Um, Again, you know, this is, yeah, we can't get ahead of ourselves. This is exactly what you worry about with uh, a a team that might not be as veteran led as, as Oregon state and as focused as, as the Beavers have been this year. This is the kind of spot where the Beavers could go lay an egg at ASU because they're looking ahead to Oregon. I have a feeling that will absolutely not be the case just based off of everything we've seen from this team under Jonathan Smith, the the discipline. Kyrie Fisher after the game, you know, somebody asked the question and he kind of laughed and he goes, yeah, we're looking forward to playing. And I think he referred to them as those guys. Yeah, We're looking forward to playing those guys, but we have ASU and they're a great team. And after we take care of business at in Tempe, then we can start thinking about those guys. <laughs> it's, <laughs> fun that we're the, it's fun that we're at the point of the season where we can start to Talk have these conversations yes. though. Those guys. Um, I like and that. especially, especially with the ducks losing again, I, I, I just think that, that it doesn't necessarily open the door for Oregon state to like jump up in the bowl standings yet. UCLA losing might impact that a little bit, especially if the Bruins lose to USC. Um, I I still think the Beavers are are destined for the sun bowl, but Hey, you win out and you get a little help at the top. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Oregon state could sneak into a holiday bowl or a Vegas bowl, uh, which I think, Pretty much everybody involved would uh, would, would be yes, thankful please. to see that. Yeah. Um, so let's say with that shakeup at the top of the standings, if Oregon State does close this close the season with a two and zero finish over these next two games, I mean we could see the Beavers crack that top four even. Which, given <laughs> given where we were at a, a week ago talking about this team, um, really not having much left on the table. It's it's funny how how much things can change in the span of one week. I mean, because Carter, like you and I talked about Thursday, all these games were like huge. I mean, UCLA yeah. was a huge favorite. Oregon was a two score favorite. Um, I mean, yeah, it it was kind of a, a weekend that I think people thought was going to be kind of a uh, just a blowout weekend for for every all the favorites proved not to be, and uh, anything can kind of happen in the Pac twelve. Yeah, some did take care of business. USC throttled Colorado Oregon State but they had a cost to too Cal. they they it looks like uh Travis dies out for the season I I don't know if we have a full but I did see him return with a cast on his yeah. on his look like foot or ankle so um he looks to be out it's so, a good segue uh, into our, our next segment here the injury tracker which yeah. we normally put at the bottom of the show but we have Too to important. yeah we have to touch on this before we dive into the game because really outside of the win and and the big defensive numbers the biggest the biggest outcome of this game was just all the injuries that Oregon State sustained so the obvious ones that that we saw during the course of action guys actually going down on the field Jack Coletto obviously that hurts immensely for Oregon State if, <laughs> so if many areas if he's unable to go next week or, or the rest of the season with uh, with that hamstring injury that actually took him to the locker room 
that'd be a huge loss for the Beavs. Jam Griffin in the running back room went down. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick actually didn't even play in the game. He was wearing a boot on his foot. So running back depth, all of a sudden a concern. Having Damian Martinez in that room and and getting Trey Lowback helps for sure. But I mean, that's that's two thirds of your of your three headed monster there going down in one game. On the offensive line, Taliesa Fuaga and Hanele Bloomfield both left with injuries. Uh, Fuaga, of course, a starter in, in Bloomfield, a key reserve who does get quite a bit of playing time. And then in the defensive backfield, uh, we actually didn't see this really during the course of, of play, but we saw the backups come in for these two, and it's Alex Austin and Jaden Grant who have been the, I mean, really the, I, I, would it be fair to say that those are the two best players in that secondary? I mean, I don't want to diminish what Rajon Wright and, and Katano Ladapo have done, but losing yeah, I mean, Austin and Grant. Austin and Grant's huge. I mean, it, it is really huge. I mean, that's just it. Yeah. I, I I never like to say best players in the secondary because all four of those guys and then Ryan Cooper into the mix, they yeah. all have been pretty special. But those two right there are key. Um, Hanelli, though, correct me if I'm wrong, Marco Brewer's out and isn't Bloomfield his replacement now you're right you're right i forgot about that yeah yep. so he so Bloomfield I mean, so now, is a starter now yeah so now we are down three of the five starters um on the off- yeah. offensive line the silver lining i guess is that jonathan smith said after the game none of them at least in the uh you know in the the very short term uh, amount of time that he had to digest the injuries and and learn from the the training staff none of them seemed to be season ending now obviously that can change you've got further examinations you've got a, a day of practice tomorrow uh the the rest and recovery period of of Sundays could reveal some things and and we could find out on Monday at, at Smith's press conference that some of these guys are going to be done for the year but uh, at the end of the game, Smith said, as of now, we are not ruling anybody out. Okay, but the, Carter, do you tell me this? Okay, and the other one, too, that was not on our list is John McCartan. He was ruled. Yeah. He was a scratch at the very end um, or right before the game started. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. I mean, Smith isn't ever very forthcoming with injuries. Did you really Except expect for him to? season ending, though. True, true. But did you think anybody was going to be, he'd come and say season ending at the press conference right after the game? I don't know. I mean, you send a guy to the, to the locker room, like Coletto, you take his helmet away. Like you, you do wonder about that one. Um, But again, that's, that's what Monday press conferences are for. So stick with your blitz about uh, what, 18 hours from now. And and we'll have some news. But he didn't seem broken up. I mean, he was laughing on the sidelines. And so he, as he probably would be regardless. But (laughs) yeah, who knows? Um, As I mentioned, Trey Lowe made his return in the running back room, his first appearance for Oregon state since game one. So good to see Trello get getting back out there. We know that he had returned to practice last week, um, but you know, impressive to see him make that quick recovery, getting back from practice into the game. And really he was, he was forced into that thing because of the injuries uh, to, to some other guys in the room, but nonetheless, Trello back in action. And we, Really expect to see quite a bit of him moving forward now if uh, if Fenwick and, and Griffin can't go next week. Everett Hayes in the kicking game made his full return. He was fully available for Washington, but didn't attempt any field goals uh, because Oregon State elected to go for it on fourth down in the red zone, as we know very well by this point. We've discussed it. Um, but Hayes did return in full capacity, took 
pretty much all of the the kicking duties this week. Uh, Chance Nolan, Joe Golden, Luke Musgrave, Alton Julian, Ryan Frankie, all unavailable. No surprise on on that front there. Anything else to add, Angie? Did I miss anyone there? There was a no, lot to keep track. I know there was a lot. That you know that was my one of my big takeaways from this from this game was yes, it was amazing watching the Beavs dominate in all three phases. But those injuries, you know, for for a team that's been and I, I would say pretty pretty lucky with the injury bug. I say that, but then again, they lost Luke Musgrave, who was probably their yeah. best offensive weapon right out of the gate, but game two to be without him. And then um, your starting Julian quarterback, be, your starting one. quarterback, um, you know, oh, linemen though are always tough. I mean, we see how important an offensive line is. Just look at Cal. I mean, just how much they struggled. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Oregon state certainly hoping to get at least some of those guys back for ASU, considering that's, what six starters i mean these aren't guys who come in off the bench for a play or two here and there these are these are all conference caliber players yeah. in in grant and austin and coletto of course up for a national award and the the hornung award so uh we will uh we'll find out on monday yeah, no, i mean if, and if then there are any updates you know tolly i mean that's you know when you look at peter riley osborne's trench reports each week tolly is one of the top offensive linemen grade wise every week um, yeah, they all very, very important. And so hopefully nothing is too, too serious. And a nominee for the Polynesian player of the year award. So true. Yep. He was a, a mid season all American for pro football focus as well. So that's but, again, a, a huge loss on the right side of Oregon state. It line. is, but on a, on a little bright spot. I, so I was texting, I, I text with people like all game long. Um, Peter did reach out during, during the game and was very impressed with what we were seeing from um, Miller. Yeah, Tanner Miller came in and and replaced uh, Bloomfield, I believe, at, at left yes. guard. Um, Tanner Miller, the 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 walk on redshirt freshman, freshman, third year, I believe, third year, so. fourth year. Yeah. Um, been here for a while as the backup center and, and got some action there. Uh, Tyler Murano as well. Yeah, uh, he in. he filled in for Fuaga at tackle, and I mean at at that point, Oregon State really didn't have to do much offensively, but. Um, the Beavers did score a few points in the second half as well. So those replacements were doing their jobs. All right. You want to dive into the stat book a little bit here? Cause there's, like, there are a lot of great yeah. nuggets in this one. Let's do it. All right. So of course, the final score, Oregon state 38, California 10. It was as dominant on the scoreboard as it was in the stat book. Oregon state outgains Cal 362 to 160 in the yardage category. Now, 362 yards is not great for the Oregon State offense, but it was more than enough as the Beavers scored all of the points they needed very early in this game, actually putting it out of reach in the, the first quarter. Um, but, uh, of course, the number that stands out is the, the rush total. So 160 yards is the most or is, is the fewest Oregon State has allowed to a Pac-12 opponent since 2009. Okay. And the rushing yards, nine fewest rushing yards by an opponent, like I said, since 2007, when Oregon State had the number one rush defense in the country. I actually went back and, and looked at the leaderboard that year and surprised me to see Boston College at number two in, in run yeah. defense. It was like Oregon State, BC, uh, I, I want to say Ohio State, Alabama, Texas, something like that. So, you know, you get the blue bloods, you get Oregon State up there with a great year, but um, yeah, kind of a, a fun easter egg in the, the yes. stat book on that one to see boston college and, and oregon state leading the country that year but <laughs> um so yeah i mean i mean the nine yards Jaden ott only had 20 for cal the, the 
true freshman standout at running back. Golden Bears average six tenths of a yard per carry on their 16 attempts. Um, Just, just absolute dominance. One more note too, is if you look at the sack adjusted rushing yards, Cal still only had 44 yards on the ground. So that wow. you know you, you get from 44 to 6 cuz the beavers sacked uh Jack Plummer a handful of times for for big losses um but i think what's really telling in in, in that department is plummer finished the game with negative 20 rushing yards and that included a 15 yard gain so um <laughs> the beavers dominant really in 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 all facets defensively in this one yeah especially yeah. when it comes to to defending the run and it's interesting because you know one of our we were talking about this game and it, the question was you stop, you commit to stopping Jade Knott and risk, you know, letting, giving um, Plummer time. And we, we kind of bantered about that a little bit. And it really didn't even matter because the bees were able to do both. Yeah. One of my keys to the game. So spoiler alert, they, they converted on that one. Um, on the flip side, Angie, were you impressed with Oregon State's running game? Because 166 yards is, uh, I guess, a, a little bit fewer than we're accustomed to seeing, but still, Damian Martinez crosses the century mark for the fourth straight game. So he, he takes 23 carries, gets 105 yards. He was held out of the end zone, but this is now four straight games of at least 100 yards for Martinez, who is very clearly RB1 right now. Yeah. He's, he's taken the lion's share of carries that will only continue if these injuries, um, well, it, it won't, you know what I mean? It, it will only continue to grow as, as those injuries mount up in, in the room. Um, just we've run out of good things to say about Damian Martinez, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, you guys all knew how I felt about him, you know, back in about April. So um, great one. I I really do think he's going to be a special one. Um, Am I surprised that they didn't rush for more? Maybe a little but it never felt like Oregon State couldn't run if they wanted to. And so I actually thought they used, they used it more as almost like a scrimmage in it that they were able to get Ben some opportunities to to go through the air a little bit and work on some things that way. And Ben scored a, a rushing touchdown as well, snuck it in for mm-hmm. one yard uh, for Oregon State's first touchdown of the game. Jam Griffin also found the end zone on the ground before getting injured. Those are the two rushing touchdowns. How about Isaiah Newell? So I was so excited to see him go in, and I and they scored, and then that got called back. But yeah. he actually had a couple really good carries. One of them for 13 yards. He finishes the game with 18 on four carries looked solid. He's looked solid every time yeah. he's touched the yeah. ball. But again, when you've got like four starting caliber running backs in your room, it's going to be tough to find opportunities. But do you think we see an Isaiah Newell role carved out if Griffin and Fenwick can't go next week? And if Lowe is still not, like, I hope so. Totally a hundred percent. I mean, I, I hope so just because he, I don't, every time I've seen him in the game, he, he does well. So um, I think he's waiting for an opportunity and he came in super highly touted. Um, mm-hmm. And I like guys that I see work and he's been working and just patiently waiting for his chance. And like I said, that's, I guess that's what kind of disappointed me when they call that touchdown back because I was excited for him. It would have been his first collegiate touchdown and he seemed so excited. And then they called it back, not his fault. I mean, he, he got it, but um, yeah, I hope he does get a little, a few more carries because I think he's earned, earned that right just by keeping, you know, he stick, he stayed, he stayed with Oregon state when he could have transferred a while ago and um, really been there and worked hard. Oregon state, not particularly dominant in the passing game on either side of the ball, but uh, again, did what it needed to do offensively and, and held Jack Plummer to 151 passing yards on the other side. So 
four players through passes for Oregon State in this one. Bengal Branson's line, 15 of 23, that's 65%, for 137 yards and two touchdowns. Not spectacular, not like incredibly efficient, but certainly one of uh, Gold Branson's best games. And, you know, I, I, we have these discussions every week on on how efficient he is, how good he looks, his game manager-esque approach to, to leading this offense. I felt like you couldn't really ask for a whole lot more from him. I mean, a, a couple of checkdowns and, you know, short passes and whatnot. Um, but again, Ben just continues to put Oregon State in situations to be successful. And, you know, really, when you throw a backup quarterback out there for half the season, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I, there was one error that that scoop and sc- that led to the scoop and score, and it looked like a miscommunication on the handoff, whether that was supposed to go to Damian Martinez, who was kind of in an H-back role. Um so that was a, a miscommunication. And and then, I mean, he had a surefire touchdown to mm-hmm. Trajan Harrison that just went right through Trajan's hands, which, gosh, I mean, this this game could have been even more of a blowout if, you know, you connect on that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the yardage on that would have been. It was it was a deep ball. And, it was a deep ball. At the time, I, I texted you because I didn't have a good angle on it yeah. in the press box. It was on the other side of the field yeah. on the far end. And so I, you know, I, I couldn't really tell if that was a... Uh, a, a misplaced ball or a drop or whatnot. Um, but no, it went know, credit, right through credit, his hands. <laughs> yeah. Credit to Ben for, for putting that ball on the money. Uh, Tristan Jebbia got in the game at the end for Oregon state, actually completed a couple of passes. If I remember correctly, those are the first two passes he's thrown this year. Correct. Yeah. Unless he, yeah. unless he threw one against Montana state that I'm not remembering, but I don't, I don't think, think so. he got into that game. His, yeah. I think those were his first two. Yeah. Because I, I believe I Branson ben got, at that time yeah, was. Ben yeah. got, he was the back of him. Ben got in that game. Yeah. Uh, Jack Coletto, one of one for 37 yards. Not bad. He threw uh, that uh, that fourth and one, fourth and two ball to a diving Anthony Gould. Arguably the play of the game. Uh, something that Oregon State had had dialed up in practice this week and, and practiced it throughout the week and and, and ran through it and, and said, you know, Gould said after the game, there was no way we weren't going to convert on that after how much effort we put into it in practice. And, uh, the ball from Coletto, it, it led him a little bit, but to, to Coletto's credit, absolute spiral, put it where only Gould could get to it. And, and, and Gould, with his speed and his athleticism, that diving catch, pretty impressive all the way around. Yeah, I mean, it was just a fun play. And and you need to do that because you got to keep keep defenses on it. They, I think they were all getting a little comfortable that if Coletta was in the game on four, on a third or fourth and short, that he was going to run it. Okay. They really don't know what he's going to do. Jam Griffin threw the final pass in the, the ledger for Oregon state. It was a, a reverse play and is yeah. fell incomplete. And, you know, one of those where if it was a backwards pass, it would have been a fumble, but it was um, yeah, just a, a poorly executed yes, trick play, play design. Yeah. Um, which interestingly, I, I felt like Brian Lindgren really opened up the playbook in this game, yeah. which I didn't necessarily expect. You know, you, you might think Oregon State would go a little vanilla against California, um, just given that it, it didn't really need to pull these tricks out of its hat to win this game. But I don't know. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was impressed because I've been, like I said, I've been very um, critical of some of the play calling. Like I said, they Oregon State isn't going to be a, a strong passing team, so most teams know that they have to, you know, stop the run. And if you stop the run, it's going to be really tough for Oregon State to move the ball. So to counteract that, 
you do. You run fly sweep, but you run the fly sweep motion on most plays just because then teams don't know. I mean, you don't want to be the team that only runs the fly sweep motion when you're going to actually hand off and run the fly sweep. So we saw that. We saw some slants. We saw we saw that misdirection. That's the kind of stuff we need to see because Oregon State isn't going to be world beaters throwing down the field. More trick plays and, and more end arounds and more fly sweeps, says Angie Machado. Uh, or at least run the... it. Run it. Yeah. I mean, you run the motion because if you run the motion, it just gives you options to either check down. It, it keeps defenses a little more on their heels instead of just coming straight ahead to, to crash in the, the run. Defensively, Jack Plummer held to 22 of 34 passing. Again, 65% right there with Goldbranson mm-hmm. for 151 yards one pick and no touchdowns impressive. I think to hold him to 151 yards, given the game script of this thing where you knew Cal was going to have to pass the ball a ton. Uh, once it got down early and, and couldn't fight back, uh, this was not going to be a run heavy scheme for the golden bears in the slightest. So holding Plummer to 151 is impressive. Um, makes sense, I guess, because you knew that, he was going to pass the ball. You know, you could bring a little pressure. You could um, send more guys into coverage. Didn't have to load up against the run at all, but still, I think a, a pretty solid showing by the Oregon state pass defense. Yeah. I mean, the defense played lights out the entire, all facets. It was like I said, because Cal, I mean, the court plumbers a good quarterback and they have those three receivers that are really, really solid. So um, to, to see that stopped and I mean, basically Cal had no answers. If you, you saw Justin Wilcox's press conference after the game. He just looked exasperated. Like he didn't even know what to say. <laughs> That's Justin Wilcox after any game. Actually, I, true, I watched true. his I watched his post game press conference <laughs> after the loss to Oregon, and he looked like a guy who was really regretting not taking the Oregon job. <laughs> but not that I, I can't remember how that went down. I can't remember if he turned it down or if he was even offered or anything, but it looked like a guy who wanted to be on that Oregon sideline and not the Cal sideline. I mean, yeah, he just looked like a, a beaten man, just yeah. kind of staring straight ahead. And yeah, it was, it was not pretty for, for coach Wilcox last night. Yeah. The best play in Oregon state's past defense actually came from an inside linebacker. It's Kyrie Fisher Morris intercepted uh, Jack Plummer on a, a play that, it was the first play of a drive after Oregon State scored a touchdown. So you go about five seconds of game action with a touchdown and a pick. And Kyrie actually had a lane to the end zone and probably would have given Oregon State its third pick six in as many games, which would have been absolutely remarkable. Crazy. If not for Katana Oladapo accidentally tripping him tripping up and tackling. Up. <laughs> they, they got a good laugh out of that. Uh, Kyrie actually in the, the post-game press conference uh, was asked, or did you think you were going to score? And he said, did I? <laughs> um, but I, I guess there was a, a good chuckle about it in the locker room and, and on the sideline between those two. Um, so in, in the turnover department, Cal's lone touchdown came on a turnover. Oregon State's really lone, uh, lone blemish as far as gameplay goes was uh, that, that fumbled exchange that the Cal returned 33 yards for a scoop and score touchdown. Seven defensive points, three offensive points. You will take that. For sure, uh, but that um, that play, you know, that's that's one Oregon State will circle and say, "Hey, we can't have that in in big time games. We gotta we gotta secure those um, yeah those exchanges." So that's the second time now that that we've seen a fumbled um, kind of miscue handoff. One was yeah. two, I believe it was Coletto, and then this one. 
in the the front seven for both sides and and the matchup against the offensive lines Oregon State won that battle in the trenches for sure much stronger showing from Oregon State compared to really the ineptitude I thought that we saw in the pass rush against Washington last week uh, the Beavers just couldn't generate anything in Seattle and uh, struggled in in the front seven to say the least they get to Plummer twice. They hurry him five times. He was never comfortable back there. Um, as I said before, <laughs> you look at the sack-adjusted rushing yards, and I mean, he he lost like thirty-five yards on sacks. Uh, was pressured all night. I, I thought it was a a huge step forward from that group. Yeah, definitely. Um, still, really, I yeah, I think Oregon State's like one really good edge rusher away on defense of of really making some noise there, but. Um, they're doing enough to get it done, obviously. And they did it without John McCartan, too, actually. Exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, Andrew Chatfield Jr. had a, a nice play. He forced yeah. a fumble in this game and uh, had a, a tackle for a loss. I, I want to say it was on third down, the big play, and mm-hmm. really good to see him um, make some flashes because we haven't really said his name as much as I kind of thought we would going into the year. Yeah, and but the Bees are missing. You're right, Chatfield, because he is that kind of edge rush McCartan. Linebacker-esque, yeah, or McCartan. Uh, on, on the flip side, no sacks on Ben Branson. Good to see, considering you've got a couple of backups there for Oregon State on the offensive line. Uh, the I guess the one knock maybe on Oregon State's play in the trenches, 3.7 yards per carry in the run game is not great, um, especially when you compare it to what Oregon State normally does on the ground. Um, a, a credit to California for getting into the backfield five times, five tackles for loss. Um, but again, Oregon State really, uh, it never, never seemed like the Beavers couldn't run it when they wanted no. to. No, it was, it was pretty much run at will. All right. This is a, feels like a good place for a break. Catch our breaths, catch our breaths a little bit. Remind everyone to head to beaverblitz.com as we enter the stretch run of this 2022 football season, Oregon State continuing to build momentum for these final two games here. They'll head to Tempe on Saturday for a a morning kickoff in Oregon against Arizona state. Neither of us are making the trip this week. Uh, We're we're not going to be able to make it down to Arizona. We will be heading to the bowl game, I believe. Um, But we are, we're staying home for, for this one. So follow along with us at Beaver Blitz. We won't have boots on the ground, but we still will have coverage of Oregon State versus Arizona State. And, of course, we're going to preview it throughout the week. We'll have coverage of Jonathan Smith's press conference on Monday, uh, videos up on YouTube throughout the week, some matchup previews, behind-the-scenes analysis from the Sun Devil Source guys along the 24-7 Sports Network, and much more at beaverblitz.com. So head over there, grab a subscription, join us now before the football season ends, and uh, we'd love to have you. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, so game flow. Unless there's anything you want to add, Angie, before we go into some of the big chronological plays here. Let's do it. All right. So it starts well for Oregon State. Um, Defensively, so so Cal starts with the ball, and and this was the first sign of this being a a dominant defensive game for Oregon State. Cal got a first down, but then moved backwards as Alex Austin uh, came up with an 11-yard sack of Jack Plummer on third down, one of those plays that that ignites the Reeser crowd. You know, the the chainsaws go in, the crowd's amped up on third down, and they get a play like that. Um, one of the loudest moments at, at Reeser came on that first drive, and it set up an offensive possession where Oregon State took advantage right away, scored on its first possession. Uh, that Coletto pass to Anthony Gould for 37 yards set up a Ben Goldbranson one-yard uh, quarterback sneak on fourth and goal from inches out. So two fourth-down conversions on the first drive. Great to see Oregon State maintaining something offensively there because they did – capitalize on some short fields throughout the game uh, but they also put together a couple of impressive drives and, and that was certainly one of them absolutely and then like i said then to turn around again when cal gets the ball and follow that up with that interception and score uh, it was a jam griffin yeah. five-yard touchdown run seriously i mean it was 14-0 before i think cal even like really figured out the game had started yeah, it was 14-0 before Cal had even really gotten its second possession. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. you know, that technically what was its second was was wasted with a pick on the first play. And, and that was all the points Oregon State needed. 14-10 yeah. to 10 would have won you this game. Um, and the Beavers got there with two minutes left in the first quarter and, and, and put those points on the board in the span of three minutes. So it, impressive to see the Beavers uh, kind of run away with this thing very early and then really coast to the finish line. Uh, they forced a three and out to end the first quarter, which became a trend. Cal went three and out, uh, I believe, four times in this game. Yeah, they only had three 10 of those. Downs. Yeah, and that was the first of three in a row, actually. Um, in between those, or, or on the the second three and out, Anthony Gould steps back to receive a punt, and uh, he. It was the Montana State game where he went. Yes, I believe yes. it was. Was it 80, 80 yards? 80, 82, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I believe he went 80 yards on the punt return. He goes 55 on this one to the house to put Oregon State up 21 nothing. At that point, I was like, all right, this thing is Done. this thing yeah. is over. Cal's, Cal is not putting up 21 points on this Oregon State <laughs> defense. Um, but that being the second return touchdown of the year for Anthony Gould gives him more than any beaver since Sammy Strotter in 2006. When It's Strutter- so nice to have that as a weapon. Because that was one of the things with Sammy, you just didn't know. And I and I think Anthony Gould is kind of becoming that guy like electric in that you don't know what's going to happen when he touches the ball. Yeah, I actually thought the parallels to, so Sammy Strotter in 06 had that punt return touchdown against USC. Yeah. And I thought that the parallels between Gould, uh, you know, kind of kind of joining the, the Strotter, um, the Strotter strat, 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 stratosphere. stratosphere. 
<laughs> the Strader stratosphere on that punt return. It was it was kind of cool to see because it was a, a very similar. You know, he's going the same right. side yep. of the field. Yep. Um, he went to the same sideline. Even uh-huh. uh, it was a, a very similar punt return to the one that Strader had against USC in 06. So congrats, congrats to Anthony Gould for uh, cementing his name in the the Oregon State at least recent record books yeah. um, with his second punt return touchdown of the year. Kel goes three and out again, okay. the third in a row. And then uh, Oregon state has a chance to make this four possession game, technically three, if you go um, touchdown two point conversion three times, but yeah. Everett Hayes returns to field goal action. His first field goal attempt, I believe since the USC game uh, with a 53 yarder that he misses wide, right? Yeah. Uh, Cal turns it over on downs and then the golden bears, uh, they, they come up with the scoop and score, which uh, again, really the only thing that didn't go in Oregon state's favor, other than the injury bug in this game, uh, Jeremiah Irby was, was responsible for it. Angie, I looked back in the stat book to try to figure out who fumbled it. And I, I need your opinion here. If okay. or your, your, um, your memory, if, if it serves on who fumbled this for Oregon. State. So, I'm so I'm trying to I believe Martinez was in the eye and I okay. don't know if it was Jam Griffin or I, I don't so there were there they had an eye formation with two backs. It was more of a fumble during the handoff. Sure. So I'm not sure if you're gonna credit that fumble to Ben Golbranson or Damian Martinez, but Damian was not expecting the handoff. Ben hands it off and the ball just goes down. But the, the same time, everybody's crashing down. They're all like, Damian Martinez doesn't even know he's supposed to have the ball. Ben is like trying to scramble, crawl on his hands and knees to get the ball. And Irby jump just kind of comes through, scoops it up and runs. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know if you're going to give that, if you should give that to, to Ben or to Martinez, but it was a, it was a fumbled handoff. I believe right now it's actually credited as a team fumble. fumble okay. um, that was, that might've been why I wasn't able to, yeah. to, find who they credit it to i i just i don't think they credit yeah, that it was, to anyone okay um so if if and it fair, can it go was, down it was as a, a team fumble then I, I think that's what they decided it, it did it just seemed like i mean it, it was obvious that the two guys were not on the same page yeah first half ends with a couple of three and outs oregon state has a 21 to 7 lead at the break and then the beavers uh since they deferred they they won the coin toss deferred they get the ball start the second half. And I felt like this was mind you after uh, moments after Oregon lost in Eugene and the, uh, the crowd at Risha was actually re-energized a little bit during halftime. You know, it, it felt like this game kind of crawled to, to halftime a little bit. Oregon state had already gotten its fireworks out of the way. Um, then Cal scored and a couple of three and outs. It, it kind of just, you know, dwindled that the energy mm-hmm. kind of dwindled. Um, but then there was a, a pretty loud cheer. And, you know, actually, as the game went final, you could hear pockets of the stadium realizing that the Ducks had lost. And then when they flashed it on the screen, it really erupted. Okay. But interestingly, Angie, to, to kind of break our flow here, I tweeted about that. I, I said that that there was a pretty loud cheer in Reeser when the, the score was flashed up on the on the video board. That tweet. Oh, you got is now officially my most liked tweet (laughs) of all time. Wow. I tweeted the final score of Oregon State versus California. Mm -hmm. I think it checked in at like 150, 175. This thing's up above 700. And to me, that that tells me all I need to know about 
there are a lot of people in this college football world that like to see Oregon lose. Yes, yes, they do. And about 28,000 of them were at Research Stadium and uh, and were re-energized for Oregon State's first possession of the second half when the Beavers moved to California's 31, settle for three, settle for three points. Everett Hayes converts from 49 yards, which... I believe at this point is his longest conversion of the year and, and yeah. one of the longest of his career, actually. Um, of course he had the 60 yarder against Colorado, but um, at, at that point it's back to a, a full three possession game. And it, it felt like Cal was, was done for at that point. Yeah. I mean, that was, a, it was great to see Everett kind of come back and, and kind of write the, the miss that he had earlier. California though, they kind of, they, they moved the ball. Then that next possession, they tried a 48 yard field goal that missed. Like drastic, um, bad, bad miss. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was interesting because they were actually moving the ball. It just completely stalled out. Um, and then they missed bad. Um, and then the very next drive, um, you know, Oregon state scores on an eight yard touchdown to Harrison. Yeah. So, so Harrison, actually it's, that was the Harrison drive and, and we should talk a little bit about this because. Oh, that's it, yes. The, the Lindsay pickup, yeah. the fumble. So, yes. So Treshawn ends the game with eight receptions, which is, if I'm not mistaken, the most by a single Oregon State receiver this year. Um, and it might actually be Harrison's career high. I, I should have checked this. This is uh, this is poor preparation by me not checking that. But um, I, I believe that is Harrison's career best. If not, it's it's very close to it. Um, and he was the, the leader of, of that receiving core this week. But on the drive, had a 34 yarder. It was kind of one of those catch and runs where he, uh, I can't remember if it was a screen or like a, a slant where, you know, he caught it in mm-hmm. the, the short field and then ran for 34 yards, but then he fumbled it and the ball just, it was one of those where the ball just keeps rolling, keeps rolling, but it was rolling forward. Yeah. And, uh, Tyshawn Lindsay was actually there to pick it up and then he ran it for 10 more. So yeah. actually ended up being a huge play for Oregon state, um, went down as a 44 yard pickup with Harrison getting 34 of them and Lindsay getting 10 on the recovery and return. And then Harrison redeems himself with a sure handed eight yard touchdown uh, across the middle. Good to see him kind of bounce back there after, after his hands again, come into question again, that's the thing with Harrison. It's, it's the hands, but when he has the ball in his hands, he is making plays. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was good to see him actually come back and get that reception because like I said, that one ball that he seriously, He's like this. You can't see me. I'm on the, I'm on, if you're watching live, I mean, he's like, has his hands out and the ball just goes right through the, through him. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was a face palm right there. That brought the end of the third quarter and, and Cal moved the ball on, on one last drive, settled for three points as Dario Longhetto, Dario Longhetto, Longhetto. Uh, converts from 36. But that was, <laughs> we, we got to talk about this penalty here. So Cal had the ball on Oregon State's five-yard line. And, and at this point, you know, we're we're saying, all right, Oregon State's defense has still pitched a shutout. You know, Cal's yeah. only points yeah. have come on the defensive side. Oregon State hasn't given up any points when its defense is on the field, and Cal's got the ball on the five. And we're like, all right, well, there goes that storyline. But then Jack Plummer <laughs> inexplicably goes about 24 yards uh, deep in the Backer. pocket to yeah. escape pressure <laughs> and then throws the ball to nobody in particular. And it goes down as a 24 yard intentional grounding penalty. And then they get nothing on the next play. And it, it sets up a 36 yard field goal, which ends a 47 and a half minute scoreless streak 
in this game from the Oregon State defense. So again, just credit to the Beavers defensively for just completely shutting California out of this thing, um, save for that field goal, which could have been a again at the five yard line. I, I was thinking touchdown there, but yeah, yeah. Just yeah, d- lack of awareness there from a veteran quarterback um, with Plummer. But then Oregon State, they're not done yet, Carter, because yeah. Jack Velling, true freshman tight end, gets in the in the play with a, a two yard touchdown reception, which really, I mean, that was kind of the that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Four scores um, put Oregon State up, and there were still seven minutes of this game. But this game was flying. This game went fast. No, not as not as many penalties. Um, it, it was a, it was a good flowing game. No complaints for me from a 6 PM kickoff. Yeah. I, I wanted to get out of Corvallis as early as possible. I, I think I ended up leaving at about 12, 15, uh, in the morning, but again, that's, that's much better than in weeks past yeah. with these late kickoffs. Um, so shout out to everyone involved for the, uh, the, the game that lasted about three hours. It was very quick. Um, but yes, Ben Goldbranson and, and Jack Fell and connect for a two yard touchdown, which put the finishing touches on this thing. Um, that was really the, the last notable play other than, other than, uh, Tristan Jebbia coming in and, and leading the Oregon state twos, picking up a few yards and then getting into victory formation to end it. Uh, let's touch on anything positive and negative for Oregon state that we haven't already gotten to. We already mentioned the, the rush defense. Um, okay. So again, this is a case of Oregon State holding opponent at Reeser Stadium to 17 or fewer. So still, we're through five games at Reeser, correct? Yep. Yes. Five, yeah, because there's you have to remember the, the neutral the, side game yeah, still a home side. game. So yeah. through five games at Reeser, only two teams have scored 17 points. That's Boise State and USC, and, and the rest are fewer than that. Makes you wonder what Oregon's going to be able to do when it comes into I know. to Reeser I know. in two weeks. It's it's remarkable what what they're doing, and and I think what's even more remarkable is where this t- defense was a year ago, or you know even you know the past several years under Clune under Tibisar, like just the turnaround. This is the same basics group of guys that played under last year, and the turnaround is like remarkable. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the punt return touchdown, so that's actually the third total return touchdown for Oregon State because Silas, Silas had one, the, yeah, the kickoff against touchdown. Montana State as well. Yeah, um, bad. I don't, I don't like dwelling on negative, but Oregon State still needs, um, well, passing game is what you have in the notes, but I just think offensively, yeah, be more, more cohesive, score more There's points. A- yeah, even in a even in a thirty-eight to ten game, I feel like there are some things that we can. Yeah. nitpick about and say yeah Oregon State's got to clean this up I, I still don't think you know they didn't need the passing game to be firing on all cylinders in this one to win and but we haven't Gold, seen Gold enough Branson, that there is a passing game I mean really right. Goldbranson had probably his best game yet I would say with the two scores and mm-hmm. you know completing 65 percent of his passes it's a solid line but again against it's against a team that put up absolutely no fight so yeah. and and okay so here's Here's a, a point that I think we should make is Cal came into this game averaging 300 yards against through the air and Oregon State was only able to get, uh, where One, is it here, 196. 90, yeah. Again, game script here didn't necessarily allow for a whole lot of passing, but it didn't feel like the Beavers really took advantage no. of Cal's defense there. And, and, and we've seen against the better teams, Oregon State – 
is going to need to pass the ball more. Yeah. Uh, the running game was uncharacteristically inefficient, in my opinion, yeah. the, the, the 3.7 yards per carry. We don't see that often. Martinez and Griffin both at 4.6 atop the Oregon State leaderboard. Again, not it's really not what remarkable. you expect to see yeah. out of them. It was it was more of a volume kind of game. You know, they needed the uh, the what forty six carries or, or or something like that yeah. to get to where they they did. But um, I, I don't know how much you read into that in in one game. Yeah, I I just I, I just don't have the feeling that this offense, if if I was going to get it done, so that's I mean the defense absolutely have a hundred percent confidence offense still has has some areas to prove i think yeah uh particularly when it comes to turnovers still no interceptions in this game but they fumbled it twice and and cal recovered one of them of course it was costly uh taking that to the house for six points so i i think we we have definitely seen the turnovers cut down yeah. with ben Goldbranson uh, ben Goldbranson at quarterback at what cost yeah, you're limiting the explosive of your yeah. the explosiveness of your offense, but still, we we do see from time to time Oregon State has a head scratching turnover. I mean, go back to, to Colorado, yeah. first play from scrimmage fumble. Yeah, uh, look at this game: two fumbles, one of them returned for six. I mean, yeah. th- those are the kinds of plays you can't have when Oregon no. comes to town. No, nope. or or even when you go on the road on the with road. a bunch of starters exactly. out potentially exactly against exactly. Arizona State. I mean that yeah the the injury bug, and that's the last bad on the note yeah it was bad i mean just one after the other after the other and um you know we've talked about how healthy oregon state had been up to this game hopefully i'm just i'm hoping that none of these are anything too long term jam i know jam jam's concussion protocol so he probably won't go my is my guess for asu um leg lower leg foot injuries for both alignment is what i'm hearing um, so that'll be, I mean, is it a sprain? Is it a break? I didn't see anyone, you know, with, um, boots or anything. Did you see anybody when you were in the media room then later? Uh, no, the only boot okay. I saw was, was Fenwick. Was Fenwick. Um, and we don't know what's going on with McCartan. Um, and then hamstring. I mean, is it just a hamstrings can be tricky. I mean, we've seen it either. Yeah. I mean, full, a full tear like Jebbia to, um, you know, just nagging. I mean, think injury. back to like and David McCartan Morris last and year. yeah, McCartan last year. I mean, they can be nagging injuries. So hopefully yeah. again, uh, it's, it's a really bad yeah. time for Oregon state to be bitten by the injury bug. And I think it's unfortunate too, for the Beavers that it comes in a game where, I mean, half matter. of those guys could have sat out and they still would have won, you know, winning a game by 28 points. You never want to see anybody go down when you do that. So uh, all around, just, just yeah. unfortunate for the Beavers, but Again, we'll learn more about those injuries on Monday. All right, before we get out of here, we have to go back and revisit our keys to the game. We've already kind of talked about them. Um, we've we've spoiled some of our report card here, but uh, let's start with Angie's offensive key, which was to find balance in the run and pass, uh, yes. which I, I thought the Beavers did. Yeah, I mean, um, gosh, 27 pass attempts, 45 carries. It was run heavy, but that was kind of dictated by that early, you know, three point or three score lead, um, 196 yards through the air, 166 on the ground. Again, I would love to see those numbers inflated a little bit, but, um, they didn't, I mean, seriously, when you win in that dominating fashion, you, you don't necessarily want to run it up even more. And two touchdowns via both too. Both. So, yes. I mean, so that was balance. Yes. Balance and in, in scoring for sure. Uh, t- and, the 27 pass attempts to 45 carries is 
more game scripty than anything. Yes. I think. And, and your key for offense was to take advantage of the Cal secondary. It's kind of, they can yeah, do more, I, I think. I, I said they kind of did. I mean, they certainly beat the defense on that Coletto throw to, uh-huh. to Gould. Um, Harrison's eight catches, he tore up that secondary yeah. alone. But I, again, the overall numbers, it's like 15 of 23 is okay, but you're not really, you're not dominant against a, a defense that has given up everything to yeah. opponents this year. Um, 137 passing yards for, for Goldbranson is, is far below 300 that, yeah. that Cal had averaged. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's hard pedestrian. to criticize that when you are going to run the ball yeah. a ton in that game. I'm curious to see if it was closer, maybe Oregon state would have put up those kinds yeah. of numbers. Um, but I don't, they didn't have to. So yeah. Yeah. that's, that's worth something there. Uh, defensively. Um, my key defensively, defensively is to stop Ott and let the secondary handle the passing attack. Absolutely. Jaden Ott, eight carries for 20 yards, four catches for six yards. Incredibly inefficient there. 26 total yards on 12 touches in the run and pass game. He got game scripted in, in the worst way. Yeah, There's no yeah. doubt about it, uh, but still a non-factor, which not easy to do against. And, and the secondary caliber. took care of the passing attack. So yeah. it was it was a win all the way around. Carter, you wanted to find balance between pressuring Plummer and containing Ott. So very similar to that. mine that they did it. Yeah, thought they did it. Uh, completely stifled that running game. Uh, again, just the nine yards. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was because they got to Plummer and, and yeah. reduced the rushing numbers uh, by sacking him. So, yeah, yeah I, I thought the balance was was exactly what you wanted to see. And, and Oregon State took a huge step forward defensively after a, a few shortcomings against a UW team uh, last week in Seattle. Anything else, Angie, before we get out of here? No, but two weeks, two games left until the bowl game. Crazy. Mid-November. It's coming up. It's coming up. <laughs> we almost have to flip gears to basketball. A little less painful to do that this year, for sure. Though. Yes, yes. Um, we're going to enjoy football season while it lasts, and we'll be back on Thursday to preview Arizona State, Oregon State's final road trip of the season, uh, unless unless you count the bowl game as a road trip. But until then, you can follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado. One, you can follow me at Carter Baines. We'll be back on Thursday for another episode of the Dan Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.